I don't know whether any of you can remember, I was going to say can remember this far back, but that would be rude, so I won't say that. I wonder how many of you can remember this far back. Uh, when you were kids at school and someone dared you to do something, anyone remember that? Anyone ever done something in response to a dare and you wish you hadn't done it? I remember uh, way back in my school days, and it was the fifth year, which is old money for year 11, okay? So that's, some of you remember what that's about. And so we were coming right to the end of term, and we were about to finish school. How many of you know, if you're a teacher, you're excited about the end of term. You guys count down to the end of term from the beginning of term. That's how excited you are about teaching, that you start counting down from the beginning of term to the end of term. Well, kids do that as well, okay? And when it comes to the end of a term, especially the end of of the school and you're about to go, you're really excited. And I don't know how this happened, but I got dragged in. It wasn't my fault, all right? I'm blaming someone else anyway. I got dragged into something and some of our guys in our year thought it would be really good if on the last day before we broke up, before we left the whole school, we, the, the, all the teachers were in the staff room. Somebody thought it would be a great idea. I got pulled into it. If we chained the doors of the staff room to lock all the teachers in the staff room. So that's what we did. I can't tell you the amount of aggro and grief that we had when the teachers finally got out by actually uh, unscrewing the hinges of the doors and taking the doors up. Oh, they were not happy. They were not happy at all. And it was one of those things where I thought, how did I get dared to do that? And I really regretted it. But I want to say to you, I'm not going to dare you to do something. I'm going to dare you to be something and you will not regret it. You will not regret it if you respond to this challenge this morning. I'm going to dare you to be open. I'm going to dare you to be open. So what does it mean to be open? Does it mean to be open means that we, we don't think, we set our brains aside, we don't have any reason, we don't have any logic. No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean to be open? Does it mean that we don't have any um, fixed beliefs or views? We're open to anything and everything? No, it doesn't mean that. And can I just say, if, if this morning you are... Maybe someone who thinks, I'm, I'm not sure whether I am a Christian, and, and that's great. We love it that you're here, okay? That's why we are, that's all that we're about, okay? Uh, and maybe you think, I, I'm not sure about this Christianity thing. I'm not sure there even is a God. Uh, and that's absolutely fine if you think that. In fact, last, uh, the weekend before last, I was in Bulgaria uh, uh, ch- uh, and, and doing some work there. And I was chatting to a friend of mine, and she's a little bit older than me. But she was brought up in Bulgaria in the communist days. And she was brought up as an atheist to believe that God didn't exist. In fact, at university, she chaired the Atheist Society. And then she's walking down the street in Sofia one day, and she walks past the Bulgarian Orthodox Cathedral. She's never been in there in her life. She doesn't believe God exists, but something pulls her in there, and she feels that she starts to almost hear someone speaking to her and pulling her in. Long story short, she's in the middle of this cathedral with nobody else around and God is speaking to her. And that's a little bit difficult for her because she thinks God doesn't exist. And she gives her life to Jesus in the middle of that cathedral. And now she's 20, 30 years later, she's leading, her and her husband are leading youth stuff all around the Balkans. And and I've had people say to me, oh, I don't believe in in God. And they've said this, you Christians, you are so closed-minded. Anyone ever heard that said to you? You're so narrow. You're so closed-minded. And I want to say, so let me get this right. So you think that there is nothing more to this world than what you can see, touch, taste, or prove scientifically. And you think I'm the closed-minded one. So you think there could, there's not even a possibility that there could be more to life than you've already experienced. And you want me to believe that I'm the closed one, 
and you're the open one. And this morning, folks, if that's you and you're not sure whether there's a God, could you even open to the possibility that there might be? Because if you can open to the possibility that there might be, I want to tell you, God is going to do something amazing in your life. So what does it mean to be open? I think to be open means we have not yet, it's an admission that we have not yet fully arrived. That we have not yet fully got it all together. Yes, if you're a Christian, we know what we believe and we've got some foundations and we've got some truths and we've got some principles and that's great. But we don't act and we don't live like we fully arrived, like we've worked it all out. We want to stay open. And, and put, the Apostle Paul writes to some believers at a place called Corinth and he says this in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 11. Oh dear Corinthian friends, we've spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. So he's, he's speaking into the early church and he's saying, somehow you, you got this whole God thing, but then you got closed. He says, don't live a closed life, live an open life. Open your heart, open your mind. In the message paraphrase of this, which is a, a newer translation, it's not a, not a translation, it's a paraphrase. It says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you. How much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel, listen, comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. So what does an open life look like? Let me just give you some ideas and then we're going to look at a story in the Bible. The first one is this, I think an open life is open to see yourself as you really are. That's called the power of self-awareness. I think this is one of the biggest missing ingredients in our culture in these days. We are so blind to ourselves. Now self-awareness is not self-centeredness and it's not self-help and it's not self-obsession. It's being aware. It's looking in a mirror before we look through a window. It's being aware of who we are. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, and again, if you read this in the Amplified Version, it amplifies it. Amazing, that is. And he says this in 1 Timothy 4, Pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold on to them. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. In other words, if you pay attention to yourself, if you know who you are and you know what's going on in you, you have the power of self-awareness, you are open to who you are, you will learn and grow. And that will not only help you, but it will help other people as well. Some of you will have heard of a thing called the Jahari window. Anyone heard of the Jahari window? Okay, three of you. Okay, it's from the world of psychology and sociology and that. And, and, and we at this church, we have a very high value. We really value scripture, but we have another value. We value truth. And we think that all truth is God's truth. And we're not closed to the fact that God can speak through other areas because if it's true, it's in God's word and it's true. Okay? And this is something that came out years ago. It's very, very helpful. And it's this idea that there are four basic quadrants in a life. Okay? And I'll use me as an example. So up here, we've got the known self. So there are things we know about ourselves and everyone else knows it. So I'll use myself. Okay? This is going to be revelation for some of you. I'm quite an impatient person. All right. I know it. And by your laughter, you all know it too. All right. There's no secret there. Okay. That's the known self. Then there's the hidden self. There's things I know about myself that none of you do. And guess what? You're not going to today neither. And certainly not with the microphone that's going to be podcast. You're not going to. 
So there's the hidden, there's the known self. I know it, you all know it. There's the hidden self. I know it, you don't know it. Then there's the blind self. I don't know it, but all of you do. And we've all got blind spots, folks. And if you say to yourself, I don't have any blind spots, that's yours right there. Okay? We've all got blind spots and we need other people to help us see ourselves as we really are. The fourth quadrant is the unknown self. There are things in me that I don't know and that you don't know and only God knows. And what I think is so liberating about this is that if we can come to God and say, God, I want to know myself better. And God, would you shine your light? Then I think that's the open life. That's the open life. Socrates, the great philosopher, said the unexamined life is not worth living. You know, and it's staggering to me how many people, Christians as well, go through the whole of their life never knowing themselves, never being open to feedback, never receiving feedback when it's given them, and just go blindly on. And I think that is so close, and you're missing out on so much of life that God has for you. But just as the unexamined life is not worth living, the unlived life is not worth examining. And that's a quote from a book that I finished reading recently, which sounds a depressing book, but I had it recommended to me. I read this autobiography of a guy who was a neurosurgeon in America, genius neurosurgeon, um, and uh, at the age of, in his early 30s, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and eventually he died of that at the age of 36. And when the moment he was diagnosed, he got married, they had kids, and, and, and the book is beautiful. And it's this whole story about how this guy, you know, going from one end of the, of, the, of the table, if you like, to being the one that breaks bad news, to being the one that received bad news. And, in, and eventually he died of the brain tumor. But in the process of that, he lived his last few years and months and years really well. And he came to faith in Christ as well, which was amazing. And he wrote in the book, The Unlived Life is Not Worth Examining. You see, as well as being open to see yourself, are we open to see yourself as God wants to see you? To who you can become. Not just who you are now, but who you can become. Last week in Albania, um, we were speaking at this youth conference. And on the Friday morning, I'd spoken about grace and about the Father heart of God. And in the evening, uh, another guy had taken that theme on. And he felt it was right at the end for us to do something, um, a prophetic kind of act, which sounds a little crazy as I explain it to you now. And did sound a little crazy at the time. But it was very moving and very profound. And in the story in Luke 15 of where God the Father, or, or where the Father rather, um, receives the prodigal son back. Remember that story? Puts a robe of righteousness around him, a robe around him. And that speaks of God that clothes us in righteousness. So basically at the end of the talk, many of us as leaders stood along the front and we got our big towel out of our um, uh, hotel room because it was set in a hotel. And we stood there and if any of these young people wanted to come, they'd come and we would put the towel around them and then we'd hug them. And in that moment, God would speak through us into their lives. And it sounds a little bit crazy. For three hours we did that. And I can't tell you how moving it was. Some of these young people are come out of refugee situations. Many of their fathers were completely absent, left them when they were kids. And to see them just break, and some of them said to us afterwards that they'd had suicidal thoughts and they felt that God had broken the power of those suicidal thoughts. Others had had, had words spoken into their life about who they were in God's sight and identity and future and hope and meaning. And it was so profound, so profound. When we open, God can speak into our lives. So are we living an open life, open to see ourselves as we really are? Open to see ourselves as God sees, open to continually learn and grow, open to see our life as more than just our life. You know there is someone at the centre of the universe and it's not you. You know that, don't you? It's not you and it's not me, it's Jesus. And our life is not just about us and our family, it's about God and the purposes of God and other people. 
And I love seeing all the way through the Bible, openness of when there's openness. And the Bible says um, in Acts 16 that this uh, woman called Lydia, that God opened her heart to the message and she became a leader in the early church. So what does a closed life look like? Just the opposite of everything I've said. It's those of us that say, actually, I don't want to see myself and I'm not open to feedback. That's a closed life. Those that say, well, I don't, I don't care what God says about me. This is the truth about me. Not what God, that's a closed life. And the fact, actually, my life is about me and my family. That's a closed life. But when we open our life, God can do amazing things. Why don't we live more open lives? I think one of the reasons is the things we've come to believe or experience about ourselves. I read this quote a few weeks ago. People don't believe what you tell them. They rarely believe what you show them. They sometimes believe what their friends tell them. They always believe what they tell themselves. So true. We don't live an open life because we've come to believe the narrative that's in our head rather than the story that God wants to tell us, which is the truth. And so we've experienced things and we believe things and that narrative goes round and round and round and that closes our life to all that God has for us. I think we also live a closed life because we think if we open up, we're going to lose things. And we don't want to lose stuff. Or, or, or even worse, maybe, we think, well, I know where I want to be, but I'm going to have to do certain things to get there. I'm going to have to pay a cost. I'm going to have to change, and I don't want to do that. So even though I say that's where I want to be, I'm not willing to pay and to do what it need, I need to do to get where I want to go. That's why we live a closed life. But what I want to do in the 15 minutes that I've got left is I want to take you to a story in the New Testament. And this might seem a strange story to look at this subject, but... As I was sat in the conference last week in Albania, a guy spoke out of this story and he was speaking about something else really. But as I was listening to the story, I just felt, the, I felt God download a whole load of stuff which I've never seen before from this story. So Mark chapter 2, if you've got a Bible, go with me, Mark chapter 2. Can I just say um, a little comment? Um, I, I know that not everybody writes things down and that's fine. You know, you'll still go to heaven when you die if you don't write things down. But research says that you will retain more that you, than, of what you write down than what you just listen to. Which is why I always write stuff down whenever anyone else is speaking. No matter who they are because I want to learn and I want to grow. So I just really encourage you to have an open kind of stance. okay, and An open posture to say, God, whatever you want to speak into me, I want to, I want to get it. I want to get it so that I can learn and grow. So here we go. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, this is a crazy story, isn't it? There's, Jesus is in town. He's in a house. The house is absolutely rammed. I mean, more tickets than we've sold for Christmas, okay? It's absolutely rammed. People can't get in. They're on the outside. They're, they're sat on each other's lap. They're sat in every little bit of floor. And Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, some bits of stuff drop on his head. And he notices, he looks up, and he sees like a hole appearing in the roof, and sees a finger maybe pressing down, and then a, then a fist, and a hand, and an arm, and, and then it gets a little bigger, and he sees some faces leaning in, you know, and looking down at Jesus, and he's looking up, and all of a sudden, a man on a mat is, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? A man is, is lowered down onto the floor, and when he sees that, he looks up, and the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, not the man on the mat, their faith, I think maybe the man on the mat was part of that. 
I don't know. But when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this, this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Why are you so closed is what he's saying. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And as I was listening to this story, I know it really well. I just feel God downloaded a whole lot of new stuff uh, for me to to pass on to you this morning. First thing is this. The paralyzed man was open. The paralyzed man was open. What do I mean by that? He was open to this fact. He knew he was in need and he couldn't get his need met without help from other people. And ultimately it was help from God, but it was also help from other people. He knew He couldn't get it sorted on his own. He was open enough to know that he needed help. Why are we so crazy people? Why as Christians, for those of you that are, are we so crazy to the fact that we sometimes need help? You know, my wife Alison was at the first service and I'd asked her permission to share this. But early on in our marriage, our marriage was in trouble. And we needed help. And we needed to go outside of our circle. We needed to go outside and get some help, some professional help to help our marriage. I'm so grateful to God that we did that. And can I just say, all right, most of it was my fault, all right, the problem. Let me just say that, and that's true. But yeah, you believe that. But actually, actually, I am so glad that we did that. Because I have sat with so many married couples. And I want to say, why didn't you ask for help sooner? For goodness sake, your marriage is where it is because you couldn't admit that you needed help. That's closed. You are closed. But when we're open, like this man was, he was open. Hey, I need some help. Jesus can give it to me, but I can't get to Jesus on my own. I need some help. And his friends took him there. Isn't that amazing? And it's true in marriage. It's also true in family life. Just fast forward a few years. We'd come through that. And then, as many of you know, our youngest son, Simeon, was diagnosed with complex special needs and learning disability. And we were told by doctors he would never live an independent life. And so we lived like that for 10, 11, 12 years. And then at the age of 15, when his hormones kicked in, my father had died a few months before. And we went into six months of unbelievable pandemonium and chaos And in the middle of all that, we had to come to the point where we had to phone up social services and say, we need some help. Could you help us? It's not easy for leaders to do that. It's not easy for any of us to do that. I don't say that to big ourselves up because it was horrible. And as I was driving to the the local authority children's home, which is how I saw it, you know, to to look at this home. And I'm saying, and Alison's saying, we've got to do this. And I'm saying, we ain't doing this. She's saying, we've got to do it. And I'm saying, we're not doing this. And we drove to the home and I said, and I said to God, God, we're not doing this. This is not what's going to happen to my son. And as I walked through the door, the guy that greeted me, he said, hello, Leon, I haven't seen you for years. He was a Christian that used to come to this church. And I felt God speak to me in a minute and say, don't you dare, don't you dare shut the door to the help that I want to bring you. 
And we are so grateful to God. We saw Simon yesterday, had a great day with him. He's flourishing, we're flourishing. I don't know where our family would be if we hadn't admitted that we needed some help. So I want to say to you, if you need help, be open and get it. Get the help. Please get the help before it's too late. Okay? Am I saying it passionately enough? I'm saying it because I really believe it. And guys, I've sat with way too many people now. And I say, why didn't you come earlier? You've come almost way down the track. Be open. Get some help. This man was open. But you know what? The friends of this man were also open. They were, you know, if I was the friends, I'd say, hang on a minute. Jesus is in town. I want to get there. You know, I've been on Eventbrite and I've got my ticket and I want to be there. But actually, these friends were open to the fact that life is not always all about you. Sometimes it's about other people. And these are great friends. And Abraham Lincoln said, the better part of one's life consists of his friendships. But I think much more profound is a quote from Pizza Hut that says, friends are the bacon bits in the salad bowl of life. Come on. Friends are the bacon bits in the salad bowl of life. This is what great friends do. Great friends carry you when you can't carry yourself. Great friends crash through barriers on your behalf. Great friends make an opening where there isn't an opening. And great friends, if you're Christians, carry you closer to the feet of Jesus. I want to say to you, if you have someone in your life who is a friend who doesn't know Jesus, a great friend will want that person to know Jesus. Why? Not because they're a project, not because they're a target, not because they're a statistic, but because you, are, you care about them and you've met the God who's changed your life and given you hope and joy and purpose and an eternity with him. Why would you not want that for your friend? And if you have a friend, whether they're Christian or not, and you know that their life is heading in a dangerous direction, if you're a good friend, you would want to lovingly tell them that. And yet so many of us don't do it because we value the friendship more than we sometimes value the friend. So we don't want to disturb the friendship so we don't say the truth to someone. But actually, do we value the friend or do we actually value the friendship? If we value the friendship, that's more about you than it is about them. But if we value the friend, then we will want to tell. See, open people find ways to open the way for God. That's what these friends did. This is why Christmas is so important, guys. It's brilliant that so many of you have got tickets and you want your family and friends to come. That's what these friends did. They carried him to the feet of Jesus. Thirdly, the religious leaders, on the other hand, were closed. See, they were the ones who knew it all, but who were closed. And the Bible says, and Jesus often says that these are, he calls them the Pharisees. And lots of times in the Gospels, you hear things about the Pharisees. But you know, the problem with closed-minded people is that their mouths are always open. You know, it's that. And actually, these Pharisees knew everything about God from the Bible. But, but Jesus says in John 5, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. So you know all about it from the book, but you don't come to me and get the actual life. And Jesus says, you're closed. You're closed. And I, and I want to say, it's really easy for us to get like that. When we think we've arrived and when we think we know everything about God. And actually, spiritual life isn't about how much you know. It's about how much life is flowing through you. It's about how much spiritual life is actually changing you. I'm staggered. I'm staggered at so... Often times when I'm like, you're doing what? 
this is what happening. You're listening to this truth and you're reading the Bible and you're worshiping God and that's happening in your life. How is that? How is that? That all of that life is, well, it's not flowing through you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be. And it's like, what is going on? And, and, and the Bible teaches a lot about if you don't guard your heart, then it's like almost like concrete gets poured over and you get hardened heart. And when you become religious and closed, it's like this. You become people who watch but don't engage, who observe but don't invest, who look only with the purpose of finding fault. Jesus says, don't be like that. You're closed. And, and you know what else happens? When you're like that, you find people just like you. And there's like a group think. And sometimes people even sit together in groups like that. And yet Jesus says, don't do that. Be open. And the fourth thing I want to say is, you know, the, the, the man who was open at the beginning, the paralyzed man, he now becomes the transformed man and his, he becomes even more open. The Bible says that when he jumps up on his mat, he says, in full view of them all. Wow. In full view of them all. When you encounter Jesus, you will live an even more open life in full view of everyone else. We know that guy. We know that guy. He, was, he couldn't move. He was on a mat all the time. And now look at him. He's jumping up and down. He's celebrating. He's rejoicing. What's gone on? He's living an open life in full view of them. all. When you encounter Jesus, your life opens up. In a moment, I'm going to offer to, we're going to offer, not me, we're going to offer to pray for some of you. Maybe some of you have a physical need. Like this man, you need healing. Let, let me just say, we believe that God heals people. But we believe that even when he doesn't, they can still live open lives. You know, this is um, a lady called Johnny Erickson Tarder. And some of you will know who she is. And I've talked about her many, many times. And when I was at, uh, in my early 20s and was working, uh, leading worship at Spring Harvest, I had the opportunity and the privilege to, uh, to work with her and to play for her. She was um, 17 when she dived into a shallow pool. She didn't know how deep it was. And she dived in and she was a beautiful young girl at 17. And she, she hit the bottom and she, she came up a quadriplegic. And over the years, taught herself to paint with her mouth. She taught herself to, to write songs, to, 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 to write books, travel in the world. She's prayed for to be healed many, many, many times. And God hasn't healed her physically. But she said this, but the wheelchair became the prison that set me free. That even if God doesn't heal me, and he can, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to live an open life in full view of them all. So the life of God is flowing through her, even though she's still in a wheelchair. Some of you will know this guy, Nick Vucic, or whatever you say his name. Anyone seen this guy? Born with a very rare condition of no arms and no legs, apart from the one little leg which he calls his chicken drumstick. That's his name, not mine. He's an Australian motivational speaker. He's also an evangelist. He's a Christian. And he travels the world. Uh, not only has he learned to, to ski and to, to, water, to snowboard and, and water ski and all these amazing, crazy things but, and have kids and all that, but he travels the world challenging people to love the life they have, not the one that they don't have. He challenges people to step out in faith and to walk on water, to never give up, that there are no easy or short paths to long and lasting happiness. And see, so I'm looking at a guy like that and thinking, you're living an open life in full view of them all. And yet we'd look at it and think, whoa, you know, God, you know, what can you do? But actually he's living through that situation. This is one of his quotes. Just because I don't understand God's plans for me does not mean he is not with me. So I want to say to you this morning, how many of us this morning dare to be open? Dare to be open. Could you be open? I want to invite the band to come back up. And I want to say something. This happened at the first service, which was fantastic. But maybe there's somebody here this morning and 
you've not yet said yes to God, okay? If I can just ask you to hold just for a minute, that would be great. If you've not said yes to God, maybe you've closed your mind to the existence of God. Maybe you've always thought that, no, 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 I don't believe in God. and I don't believe he exists. And, you know, but maybe today, could you open your mind to the possibility that you might be wrong? So I'm not asking you necessarily to say a big yes to God, which is I'm all in. You might want to do that. That'd be great. But could you say a little yes to God today? In other words, could you say, I'm not ready to go all in, God, but I'm, I'm willing to move from a totally closed position where I think there is no God, there can be no God. Like my friend, she's walking down the street. There is no God. There is no God. I don't believe in God. I lead the atheist group. Why do I think, feel that God is speaking to me and telling me to go into that church? You don't exist, God. Can you move from a closed position to say a little yes, to say, I'm open to the possibility that there might be a God. Can you say that this morning? If you can, I want to ask you to do something with that. I want to ask you to respond to God this morning. So we're all going to just close our eyes for a moment, okay? And it may be that you're ready to say a big yes to God. But if you're not, maybe today you could say a little yes. And several people said this in the first service, which was so great. So we're all going to stay really still. And we're just going to close our eyes for a moment. And if it's you, and you say, hey, I could do that. Maybe a little yes or a big yes. You say, I want to open my eyes to the po- or, or open my mind to the possibility that there might be a God. Then I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up right now so that you know you've done it. And then I'm going to pray for you. So is there anyone this morning? Is there anyone? Just thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Anybody else? In the back there, Venue Plus. Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning that you're such an amazing God. Lord, thank you for this inspiring story. And God, as we open up our minds to you and open up our hearts to you, God, thank you that you always come. And so God, for these guys, God, would you come by your spirit. And as they open the door, God, would you come in. As your word says, you'll come in and eat with us and share fellowship with us and do life with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to ask the rest of us to stand. Just be able to stand if you're able to. If you're not, that's fine. But I'm going to do something that we don't do very often these days. Partly it's because of space and time. At the end of our service, there's a prayer team that will love to pray for you in the prayer room. But actually, we're going to give some of you an opportunity to receive prayer now here. So if this morning you know that you have a need. You know you have a need of God, whether it's physical healing or whether it's something else. Maybe it's your marriage, guys. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's an emotional issue or it's a whatever. You, maybe you've closed off to God. Maybe you've closed off to God's voice and you know, you know you don't want to live closed anymore. You want to live open. If you have a need this morning, Could you put your pride aside and your fear aside and your uncertainty aside? And could you admit it? And could you ask for help and for prayer? So in a moment, we're going to sing. And then I'm going to invite you, if you have a need, to come here. And one of the prayer teams is going to come and pray for you. They're not going to quiz you. They're not going to ask you loads of questions. They're just going to pray that you will encounter God. When we encounter God, everything changes. It really does. And it might only begin change now, 
It might take a little bit of time to work through because sometimes it's a process. But actually it starts when we admit we have a need and when we come to Him for help. And we're going to sing in a moment the, just a part of a song that we sing here. Uh, it's a song called Oceans and there's a bit in the middle of the song and it says this, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. It's an invitation to live the open life. So Father, I want to pray in these moments, God, would you meet us, Lord? God, if there are some people here and we have a need, God, I pray that like this man, we would live an open life. And if, if we say, hey, I have a need and, and God, and I can't get there on my own, God, that we'd ask for help. Lord, ultimately we want to ask for help from you. But God, maybe sometimes we need to ask help from others as well. So Lord, as we open up to you, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you touch people and would you meet needs and would you open up? God, thank you that God, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. So God, this guys, this morning, if that's you and you have a need this morning and you need prayer, as we begin to sing, I want to invite you to come and we would love to pray for you this morning.